Well, when you're onto a good thing, you stick to it. It's a famous little old saying, when you're onto a good thing, stick to it. And there's plenty of uh, times in life when this is good advice, like having showers, the, the habit of praying daily. When you're onto a good thing, stick to it. Uh, the value in learning this lesson is also seen in the person who uh, has a delicious recipe. Everyone who tastes their cuisine raves about it, but they decide to experiment one day and alter things slightly only to discover that their dish now tastes like chicken, like everything else does, when it's meant to taste like chocolate. When you're onto a good thing, stick to it. Part of the Colossians that we're up to this morning is all about the Lord Jesus being more than just a good thing, and so we stick to him. All that he's done for us, all that he is for us, we're not to let anyone distract or mislead us. We're to continue in Christ. So let's have a look at chapter 2 and verses 6 and 7. Sort of like a heading for this section, chapter 2, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Whatever you do, continue in Christ. Now that's sort of been a refrain for Paul as we've gone through Colossians, hasn't it? As we've looked at uh, chapters 1 and 2 over the last few weeks. But as well as the Apostle urging us to continue in Christ, this morning he also warns us against people who will try and take us away from Christ. And so four times in chapter 2, Paul warns us saying, don't let this happen to you. And four times we're told that the reason we're not to is because Jesus is so majestic. He is more than just a good thing, and so we stick to him. So let's have a look. Paul's first warning is, don't be captured. And this is the one we're going to spend most of our time in. Don't let people take you captive through their fancy ideas. As we walk through life, we're going to hear all sorts of teachings about God and Jesus and heaven, but don't let people take you captive by them. Don't let them steal you. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. Now, back in the days of the Colossians, there were lots of funny ideas running around about Jesus and heaven and God, same as today. Ideas that in the end are just hollow and deceptive. They just depend on human traditions. They're made up. They don't rely on Christ. And so these ideas fall far short of Christ because in Christ we have everything. Verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. And when Paul says there in verse 9 that uh, all the fullness of the deity lives in Christ, what he's saying is that Jesus is God. Deity, it's just a word that's a way of speaking about God. But not only is Jesus fully God, but Paul also says we have been given fullness in him. In other words, we're not missing out on anything. There's nothing that God's holding out on us. Not one aspect of salvation have we been diddled out of. Jesus is God and we've been given fullness in him. No one else can give us this. So see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive ideas. And look, there's a few lame ideas about Jesus running around in the world today. For example, let's um, think about the Jehovah's Witnesses. 
Now, on the surface, their ideas might not look all that different to ours. They've got a Bible, like we do. They walk around telling people about God, like we do. But the Jehovah's Witnesses, they're not Christian. They do not know the Jesus that we know from the Scriptures. For a start, they change bits of the Bible so that they make it say what they want it to say. And they don't just change minor points, which would be bad enough. They've changed verses in the Bible so that they can say that Jesus is not God. But without a divine Jesus, you don't have Christianity. Because if it wasn't God become a man taking our place on a cross, well then we'd have no forgiveness. We'd have no way of getting to God. We'd have no hope of heaven. You wouldn't have anything. Jehovah's Witnesses, they're not a strange version of Christianity. They're not Christian at all. They've invented a fictional God. They do not know Jesus Christ as their God and Saviour. And so when they come knocking on your door, see to it, won't you, that they don't take you captive through their hollow and deceptive ideas. Now, most of us probably won't fall for the uh, ideas of the Jehovah's Witnesses, but perhaps a more seductive idea that might take us captive and away from Christ is the idea that all religions go to God. Now, Jesus is one way, sure, but he's not the only way. What about all those sincere Buddhists? All those nice people down our street that believe in the stars? Or that gentle man that runs the New Age spiritual store with all those crystals? Or even people who don't believe in God at all, but they live a really good life, like Fred Hollows did. They'll all be in heaven, won't they? They were good, sincere people. God wouldn't send them to hell. God is love. It's a nice idea, isn't it? Seductively nice. But it's false. It's a man-made lie. It does not depend on Christ. It's, it's just not true. And when we think about it, we don't want it to be true. Because if Jesus is just one way to heaven... Well, then why did he die? If you can get to heaven and have your sins forgiven some other way, then what sort of God are we worshipping that has his son brutally killed when he didn't have to? If we swallow the lie that Jesus is just one way to heaven, well, then we, un- we end up with a God who has his divine son killed for kicks. It's just not true. The Bible is clear. The Lord Jesus is the only way you and I can be presented before God free from accusation. So see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive ideas. Continue in Christ. Because remember, Jesus Christ is fully God and we have been given fullness in him. Now in the next few verses, Paul goes on to spell out something of what it means to have fullness in Christ. And he hits on two main ideas. The first is that in Christ, all of our sins have been forgiven. In Christ, our sins have been cut off or circumcised, as Paul would put it. And so we need to do nothing more for forgiveness because in Christ we've been given the fullness of forgiveness. Have a look at verse 11. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith and the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. For those who belong to Christ, 
all record of our wrongs has been shredded. In the next verse, Paul speaks of this thing called a written code. And the idea behind this word, a written code, is the idea of a document that admits our guilt. Uh, It's like in the TV crime shows, you know, where they get the criminal at the end of the program and he's in the, or she, is in the... um, Uh, the interview room and they get them to sign a confession they sign a document that admits their guilt and with that comes the weight of the law against them well here in Colossians Paul speaks of, of the idea of a document that admits our guilt before God and the full weight of his judgment that comes with that but Christ has shredded it he's cancelled this written code let's look from the end of verse 13 end of verse 13 he forgave us all our sins having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us he took it away nailing it to the cross everything to do with our sin has been done away with by Christ's death in our place forgiven and cancelled guilt and punishment removed in Christ we have the fullness of forgiveness the second aspect of fullness of, of our fullness in Christ that Paul wants us to know about is the complete defeat of evil powers through Christ. Our sin, it's something of a weapon in the hands of Satan and the like, but since Christ has removed our sin, well, evil powers are a defeated enemy. In verse 15, after speaking of our total forgiveness, Paul says, verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Evil authorities are no threat to us anymore. In his cross, Christ humiliated them. Through Christ, we enjoy the fullness of the complete victory over Satan. So with Christ being fully God, us being given fullness in him, sins completely dealt with and forgiven, evil powers defeated on our behalf, don't let people take you captive through hollow and deceptive ideas. Continue in Christ and in Christ alone because in him we have everything. Without him, we have nothing. And don't be judged either. This is the second of Paul's warnings. Don't let people judge you. This one's a bit strange for us, I think. After telling the Colossians of Christ's complete victory over evil, Paul's conclusion is that therefore they should not let anyone judge them with respect to what they eat or drink. Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Christ has defeated the devil, therefore don't let people judge you about what you had for lunch. Not quite sure how that sort of works. What seems to have been going on in the Colossian church is that there were people who thought that the evil powers still had authority over them. And so these evil powers needed to be accounted for. And one way you accounted for them was by eating and drinking the right things. Keeping some of the Old Testament laws was thought to keep the evil powers at bay. But Paul's point is that Christ has defeated the evil authorities in his death. Therefore, don't let people tell you that you need to account for these powers and authorities because Christ already has. Verse 15 again. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. 
Christ has already defeated the evil powers and authorities. So don't let people judge you. Don't let people take you to task for not taking the evil powers into account because Christ already has. I'm not sure if you know people that uh, talk about casting demons out of Christians, that evil powers can possess Christians and so these evil powers need to be exorcised. Uh, It's not something we hear a lot about in our circles. Um, I don't, but it comes up every now and again. And it's a nonsense. Christians can't be demon-possessed. We're already possessed by the Holy Spirit of God. And no demon can kick him out. In his death, Christ has already accounted for the powers and authorities. And so we continue in him and in him alone. Paul's third warning is don't be disqualified. The Lord Jesus promises us eternal life in heaven through his death and resurrection. So don't let anyone disqualify you for the prize by leading you away from Christ. Verse 18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head. People that Paul's attacking here seem to have been caught up in supposed visions of the heavenlies. They would speak of seeing angels in heaven before the Lord himself. They would go into great detail, puffing themselves up with their own self-importance. An example of this today might be uh, someone who talks to you about their heavenly visions that they see, that they have experiences of God in heaven itself and that they're given a special understanding of things as they enter heaven. They can make your Christianity seem very small and insignificant, that you're missing something. And then they tell you that, well, you should be having these visions as well. They cast doubt on your faith because you don't see what they see. You don't know what they know. They're telling you things about Jesus you didn't know about, things you've never heard about before, things you don't read about in the Bible. And as you think about it, well, your Christianity does seem a bit dull compared to theirs. You, you haven't seen inside heaven. Maybe the Jesus you worship isn't all that special. And so you're tempted away from Christ, the Christ that is shown to us in the Scriptures. Well, the Apostle Paul says, don't let these people disqualify you for the prize. The Jesus that you worship in the Scriptures, he is nothing less than the God of all things, all things in heaven and on earth. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives, and in him you have been given fullness. You're not missing anything. So just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him. Paul's last warning is, don't be foolish. If you've turned to Christ then don't return to whatever you were doing before. You left a way of life that leads to dead ends. It didn't win for you forgiveness or eternal life or the kingdom of God. So why go back? Don't be foolish. Verse 20. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they're based on human commands and teachings. It seems that before the Colossians became Christians, they were caught up in strict rules. But we've seen already that the only way God will accept us is through Christ. And yet the Colossians were being enticed into going back to these strict rules. And so Paul warns them, don't be foolish. These rules are destined to perish. Only Christ can make us right with God. 
And so stick with him. Now, I don't know what you came out of before you turned to Christ, or what sort of life you were living, what you believed about God and heaven and Jesus. Uh, maybe you did believe in the stars and astrology, that somehow the stars determined your destiny. Maybe you thought that God will be happy with you if you do certain things. You believed the lie that, well, as long as you're a good person, whatever that is, then God will take you into heaven. Or maybe you were the reverse. Maybe you thought that you were so bad that there's no way God could possibly accept you, that there was no way that God could forgive you. Or you might have been the sort of person that never gave God a second thought. You just ignored him and got on with your life just fine. Whatever you believed and did before you turned to Christ for forgiveness, don't be foolish and return to it. The stars are a false idol. You can't be good enough for God. You can't be too bad for God. You can't ignore God forever. Because only in the Lord Jesus do we find God's forgiveness. So stick with Christ as Lord. As we've looked over uh, Colossians of the last few weeks, we've learned some astonishing things about the Lord Jesus. And really, that's Paul's point. Christ Jesus, he is so majestic, he is so wonderfully good that we'd be fools to turn aside from him. We'd be nuts to let anyone take us captive or to judge us or to disqualify us. And Paul's not naive. He knows that there's plenty of dangers out there, plenty of distractions. And so as we finish this series, thinking about the sorts of things that we're not to let happen to us, the sorts of dangers out there that can hijack us from serving Christ as Lord, as we finish, I thought we'd return to some of the verses that we've already looked at in Colossians to remind us of Christ's glory, to refresh us with a knowledge of his complete power and his total goodness so that we would be encouraged to stick with him. Because if we keep our eyes on Christ, if we set our hearts and minds on the true Lord Jesus, well, then everything else will pile into insignificance. Every other option will be seen for what it is, a hollow, empty, deceptive, perishing lie. Where is the Lord Jesus? Well, listen to what Colossians has to say about him. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by the Lord Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Once you were alienated, from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. This is our God and our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. At his feet, we fall. In his love, we rest. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's pray.